What's up, guys? Welcome to Get Rich or Get Drunk Trying, the podcast that helps aspiring bosses go from nine to fives to seven-figure CEOs. I am your host, Asia Abstin, former bartender turned serial entrepreneur and coach to over 2,000 students. And I am on a mission to help you manifest your dream life, 10X your salary, and step into every room like you own the place. Each week, my guest and I will cover everything money, business, and mindset related to push you to be your absolute best self. You will also be getting financial literacy tips, game-changing perspectives, and passive income plays to impact your confidence and your bottom line. You'll learn how to work smarter, not harder, stop sleeping on your own potential, and climb the success ladder cocktail in hand. Are you ready? Let's get it. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Get Rich or Get Drunk Trying. I am your host with the most, Asia Abstin. And we are very excited today because we are going to get our financial lives in order. I've got my boy, Mark Russell, with me today. You will know him as Better Wallet. Welcome to the show, Mark. We in here. Hey, Asia, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, long overdue, but I'm, I'm happy we're here. Happy we're here to chat. Kicking off 2022 properly, kicking off Black History Month. Mm-hmm. properly. You are the first show of the month. I'm very excited to talk to you because I've been following your journey for a while. I think you and I are yin and yang opposites <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like, And I love to have different people's perspectives on the show. And I love to talk about money. As you know, mm-hmm. I am really bad at budgeting. So I was like, okay, perfect. Let me get somebody in here that does have my strong suit that I definitely don't have because (laughs) my answer to budgeting is just making more money. That's one way to attack (laughs) it. (laughs) Right. If you have an unlimited amount of money, right, then you don't- It's not a problem. Worry about budgeting, right? (laughs) But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of folks don't fall into that category. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, when you think about- wealth and if you're able to structure it properly, I mean, you know, the richest people in the world, they have a budget, but they really don't, right? So, you know, those are definitely topics we can drill further into. Yes, we are absolutely going to get into it. So for the people who don't know you, let's give them a little bit of your backstory. I mean, in one sentence, what you guys need to know is that this brother went from literally foster care to Wall Street. How is that even a thing? Like, give me the scoop. Nothing but God, nothing but God. So, you know, the backstory is I was born in Philadelphia, this area called Kensington, which if anyone knows anything about Philadelphia, Kensington is probably the heroin district of like the world. It's bad. I'll put it that way. I mean, it still is bad. So I was born in the 90s and, you know, it's still horrible today. Unfortunately, both my parents fell victim to what happens in Kensington. You know, I was conceived, I was born, crack baby, premature, all of the things that you could think about or think of when you think of two parents, you know, not doing well, being addicted to drugs. So, you know, I was immediately placed into foster care and that was probably the best thing that could ever happen to me. So placed in the foster care, and I'm really shortening this thing, but you know, I spent 13 years kind of bouncing from home to home, live with all types of people, black, white, Mexican, Amish people for a little bit. I was on the farm. I was all over the place. Okay. It gave, it gave me a great appreciation for just other cultures, other people, how other people think. And it just gave me a really interesting viewpoint of the world. So, you know, 13 years of my life, I didn't know anything about who I was or why I was on this planet. You know, a lot of people, they have family members who, you know, they can look up to and say, okay, well, I'm going to do this because my grandmother did it or my grandfather, or, you know, what have you. I was pretty much parentless and familyless <laughs> uh, without family for 13 years. And then I was eventually adopted by a family in central Pennsylvania, which if anyone doesn't know about anything about central Pennsylvania, there's not much going on there. Like the nearest I would mall imagine. Was, was probably 
an hour away. The nearest Walmart was like a half an hour. So it wasn't the best place to be as a child, but it gave me, it opened up the opportunity for me to dream. So I was constantly thinking, okay, how can I get out of this town? How can I live the life I want to live? You know, I see all these people all over the place, you know, Miami, Cancun, like all these beautiful places across the world. Like, how can I leave this small town in, you know, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is, you know, what we call it, it's called Mount Union, Pennsylvania. And how can I live my dream? So from 13 to 18, that's all I did was dream, went off to college and, you know, we can dive into each one of those different <laughs> areas, but that's essentially what happened. So to continue on with the story, I, my parents didn't have enough money to put me through college. So, you know, they said, hey, if you want to go out to college, you have to figure it out yourself. Right. And I've always kind of lived a life of I can make money. You know, I had 10 different side hustles growing up from cutting hair to cutting grass to, you know, trimming hedges, shoveling walks. You know, I mastered the upsell when I was a kid. I was like, hey, like, I'm going to shovel your walk. And if you want me to, I can also put salt down. You don't know anything about this in Miami. Mark, I am from Chicago. Are you from Chicago? Born and raised, my love. I live in Miami, but from Chicago. So that's why I was like the upsell of, you know, for three extra dollars, I could salt the walkway. Yes, I live for that. Salt in the back, right? So then you bring it out. It's an upcharge though, folks. Exactly. (laughs) And then the subscription model, you know, I can continue to come back. You You did that in high school? As a yeah, yeah, in high school, I, I learned all about it, and you know, it was a great experience, kind of doing that. Even like cutting hair, like I used to at first say, okay, well, ten dollars for a haircut, but then I got to the point where I was just like, well, he's going to continue to come back every two weeks or so, so why not put him on a subscription model, and then they continue to pay me. I and am I, shook. Yeah, so you learn about all of that. Well, I did at a young age. Because you had to, because you have to stack your money because your parents weren't in a position to help you. Okay, so fast forward, we go to college, you get into the financial space. How do you actually wind up on Wall Street? Like, how is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in college, I wanted to be a finance major. Frankly, I didn't have the GPA early on to get into finance. So, you know, someone told me you can't, be a finance major, you're probably not built for the financial world. That was LOL. My, <laughs> it came from my uh, my counselor at the time. And what a I hater. Always, I kind of always lived the life of like, you're going to tell me I can't do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to send you a note saying I did it. Love uh, it. So end up weaseling my way into the financial world. And the first company I started working for was Vanguard. And oh, so you time, start at the top. See, that's we are alike in that way. Let's just go to the well, biggest one and figure well, it I, out. I didn't know though. That's the thing. So I was going through college and I started applying for jobs. And I was just like, oh, this Vanguard company, they seem pretty cool. Like it seemed like a big company, right? And then realized I was at the largest mutual fund company in the world. I, I love the ignorance. I love right. it. And I'm genuinely, I love it because I am like that in a lot of ways where. I don't know that this is out of my scope. I don't know right. that this is unachievable. So I just shoot for it. Right. And then the people around me, when I've accomplished it, are floored. Like, how did you have the balls to go after that? Well, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to. So right. I love exactly. that energy. That's such a good story. You wind up at Vanguard of all places. How many of other Black places. people did you see? None. None. Um, absolutely. <laughs> So luckily I got into, this is even more random. I ended up getting into a selective program. They only choose 20 people out of the country to join this program. So I'm near people like their parents were private equity managers, right? Like they all went to Wharton. They were trust fund kids. They all (laughs) went to, you know, these Ivy League schools. And I'm like, I mean, Penn State's a good school, but my high school, for example, was one of the worst public high schools in the country. Still is. Almost Damn. got taken over by the state when I was there. If we didn't have the right PSAT score. So, yeah. So it was kind of crazy. And you learn a lot fast. The program was 15 months. I became a licensed stockbroker at that time. And I found myself on the phone talking to everyday millionaires, multimillionaires. You know, I'm 22. Just taking a step back. 22. I put myself through school. I came from the hood. Went through adoption care, born in you know Kensington, Philadelphia, 
And now I'm talking to these millionaires, right? So I see they're- And they're asking money. for your advice. Right, right. They're <laughs> that's like, the, that's can, the crazy right. part. It was insane. You're like, wait, wait, am I in the matrix? Yeah. And that's when I realized that you don't necessarily need to be really great at finance and money and numbers to become a millionaire. It's really simple math at the end of the day and discipline. I love um, that. Discipline so, is the name of the game. So it was crazy. You know, I'm on the phone with these people and they're talking to me. And, you know, sometimes you get you know, the same client over and over again, month after month. And I remember looking at the client when they first called and it would be, let's say, you know, a million dollars. Next thing you know, they call back in maybe a couple months later and they already have like two stacks. That from doing nothing. Grew, from doing nothing passively. I'm like, you know, how come other people don't know about this? Like, I know people back in the hood that if you gave them $20, $40, whatever, like they're going to use that to feed their families. Like, so this whole investing thing just blew my mind. Oh, I'm sure so it did. I'm going back home and I'm telling people, I'm like, listen, you guys have to invest. Like, they don't tell you this, but you need to know. So I'm walking people through like building, you know, IRAs or setting up IRAs, investing and things like that budgeting, you know, paying off debt. And I realized at that time that it can't just be my hood. Like it has yeah. to be other people that, that I can reach. Don't know. Mm-hmm. So you start doing research, you find out that a lot of people are in debt. A lot of people don't have a budget. A lot of people are not investing. They don't know how to invest. And that's really where Better Wallet came from. Next thing you know, I'm doing like seminars in Philly, you know, talking to certain people about all the different topics and it kind of took off from there. I love it. We're going to get deep into that story. Better Wallet is a movement. It is really impacting a lot of lives. But before we dive into that, I like to kick the party off with a cocktail. <laughs> it is Friday. It's 80 <laughs> degrees outside. I know it's not in Philly, but I'm sending nah. you warm Sending you warm energy from Miami. 40, 40 degrees. Ooh, the ghetto. There, the ghetto. Oh, there's the ghetto. no way. There's, <laughs> there's just no way on the planet that I would ever survive again in that frozen tundra. You need a cocktail because it's that cold. What mm-hmm. is the get drunk cocktail of the week, Mark? What do you sip on when you are celebrating a beautiful portfolio? Gin and tonic, baby. Gin and tonic, uh, specifically <laughs> Bombay Sapphire. Oh, uh, and, a simple and, man. Right, right, exactly. So when, you know, so I, I went from Penn State and then I went into personal finance working at Vanguard and you're around all these people. I mentioned like these kids are- And they're definitely they're, drinking gin. Right, right. They're, they're <laughs> drinking gin. They're drinking all this fancy stuff, right? In college, I was drinking Henny. Like, so that was my-, my Appropriate. Go-to. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, for the culture. My, for the culture. That was my go-to. So you can't just go to a really nice dinner. You, know, you can't go to the Four Seasons and they're like, oh, like, what are you drinking? You can't just be like, you can, but you can't. Right? Yeah, like, I got you. Any, got you. Especially got you. as like a young kid that's trying to establish himself. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to get, you got to go along to get along kind of. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, like what is like a good refreshing drink that people won't <laughs> turn an eye to and it happened to be gin and tonics and that is hilarious and you I stuck with it, it. And i stuck with it so. it's old white man energy i love right. it <laughs> but like you, you have the haters out there just like oh you like gin i'm like nah gin and tonic like i would never drink gin alone like no one does that that's not a uh, thing even yeah. snoop he drank what gin and juice right? yeah so it's not taboo so i am dead so, not a gin and tonic y'all <laughs> so if you haven't had gin and tonic drink it, check it out. A lot of people like it and let me know how it goes. I love it. That's the cocktail of the week. Short and simple, easy breezy. Mm -hmm. Now let's get back into this money. So, okay. I'm a firm believer that somebody who's been on both sides has seen a lot of differences, right? And you understand perspective, I think better than a lot of people. What would you say are some of the differences in perspective between the way the privileged see money and the way the underprivileged see money? Mm, that's a really good question. I would say that privileged people, how they go about seeing money is they have lived a life where 
money wasn't really an object, right? They have continued to have money throughout the years. If they need anything, they need clothes, they need rent paid, they need a new car, their parents are going to take care of it for them or they have you know, a fund set up from grandmother where you know, they have that income coming in. So they don't really think about it and they never really had to work hard in order to generate it. So that's one thing. And then I would say for the people who are not privileged, it's always been, hey, we have to work hard for our money. And then, you know, at the end of the day, we want to spend it because we never really had it, right? So if you're making that extra $100, $200, you know, per week or whatever it might be, you're like, okay, how can I spend it on the things that I never had versus the people who are privileged in a way they are spending on maybe buying more assets because that's something that their parents told them that they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, they go out and buy all the other things that, you know, we know and love but they're also disciplined enough or their parents force them to be disciplined enough to go and put it into assets, to put it into investing. You know, grandmother told them to put the money into a retirement plan because it's going to grow over time. It's going to help build your wealth. And you you can put it into an IRA later, pass it on to your children and that's generational wealth. So, you know, for them, it's the topic of how can my money make more money And I would say, you know, for people who are not as privileged to have that information, it's, you know, how can I make the money to then spend it? Mm, um, That hurts. That hurts. That hurts because it's so true. You're just 300% right. It just seems like those of us who come from so little feel like when we do get money, it's burning a hole in our pocket. Like we have to go and spend it and use it for something else. And that perspective has held us back in so many ways. But just that mindset that the other half has is that it's money. It's always been there. We can always make more. There's no need to go buy something else. Even in my own journey, the richer I've gotten, the less money I actually spend. Because when you know you can buy the thing, it's like, eh, I don't really need it. But before, when I was in the hood... I felt like I needed the thing. I would save for the thing. And I felt accomplished buying the thing. Now I couldn't even care less. Now that when you know you have the money, it's a completely different perspective. And I think that just that little nugget of education, I think will help a lot of people when they just see that burning a hole in your pocket is just, it's a mindset shift. It's Mm -hmm. not real. You don't have to spend it. Spending it is not helping you. I don't want y'all to save it either. Okay. I am not team saving. Mm-hmm. A saving is a four-letter word. It's against my religion. We are only investing. We're not saving shit. We're having our emergency fund, Amen. and we're not saving. We're not saving. We're not sa- That's a whole nother show. But yeah. we are- <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> don't, 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 don't get me on the I, <laughs> I saw the fire in your eyes. Oh, don't, my don't. God. I got 18 other questions to get to. We are <laughs> not going to talk about saving, but that is another show. But we are not saving. We are investing, but mm-hmm. don't let it burn a hole in your pocket, folks. It ain't that serious. We're not buying things we don't need to impress people that don't even like us. Okay? Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. I want to talk about, too, I want to talk about excuses. I am allergic to excuses as a business coach, as a consultant. I hear every excuse in the book and it just infuriates me. It makes me absolutely crazy. And so many who struggle financially make every excuse in the book to explain that away. As a person who came from the definition of humble beginnings, like, and made it and busted your ass, what are your thoughts on excuses and the excuses that people make that keep them in a bad financial position? I believe anyone who's making an excuse doesn't want it bad enough is the way that I think about it. Right. Like I think about like Eric Thomas, right? Like he talks all the time about like, how bad do you want to eat? He's, you got know, he goes by that now, but you know, Eric Thomas talks about that all the time where he's just like, how bad do you want it? Right? If you're going to make excuses, then you don't want it bad enough. Right. So I'm thinking about being on campus at Penn State my first year, and I didn't had no way of paying it off. You know, they said, hey, you owe $20,000. And instead of me saying, well, I can't pay that, I was like, I'm going to find a way to pay that. Whatever I could do legally in order to generate the money, I'm going to do it. And along that path, I learned negotiation, how to sell my story, how to build relationships with people that don't look like me. 
I had to do that throughout college, you know, cutting hair, I was selling plasma, right? Like I was doing anything possible. So, you know, in terms of just excuses, you don't want it bad enough if you're making an excuse. I think it's a way that we, you know, somewhat try to defend ourselves in a way. So you want to press forward, right? And even when it comes to, you know, sales, when I worked in private equity, they will always say, okay, like there's a reason why people bring up different excuses on why they don't want to buy your product and they call it objections, right? And the thing about it is like, there's like real objections. Like I literally just don't have the money. And there's like fake objections. Like I can't do that right now. So you have to learn which ones are real and which ones are fake. And a lot of ones that we hear are like not real, like the fake objections. So you want to make sure you're pushing through any excuse that you might have and give it a try. I mean, the hardest step is the first one. And then once you take that first step, the other ones are easier. Like I could have made the excuse of, hey, like, I don't want to leave my nine to five because I don't think I'm going to make it as an entrepreneur. But instead of saying that, I said, well, what's the worst that could possibly happen? <laughs> like, I go back to doing a job that you know I didn't want to do before. So it's one of those type of things that you just have to keep pushing on. I think, again, like excuses are for people who are not as committed. Love um, it. So that's the way I think about it. Okay. You hear it, folks. Like you actually have valid excuses. Your story, Mm -hmm. your background, somebody could honestly say, well, listen, it just wasn't in the cards. You had the entire deck stacked against you and yet you didn't make excuses. You made a way. And I Mm -hmm. always like to say people are either good at making money or making excuses, but not both. Mm. You can't. It's one of the other folks. Like, I hate to break this news to you, but we are in 2022. At first, y'all said it was the Panini. Then you said it was Trump. Then you said, you know what I'm saying? They got something Mm -hmm. every week. Like, come on. We cannot be listening to Better Wallet and Get Rich and making shit up every week. We're either going to make some money or make some excuses. You dictate your future. A lot of us have been dealt bad cards. Everyone has a sad story, right? Everyone has a sad story. And nobody cares. And no one cares. (laughs) Everyone has one. So it's just like, how can you use your story to your advantage, right? Like my entire life, I lived one where it's just like, okay, I didn't have the money. I'm not good enough. Whatever it might be, like I didn't come from the family that other people came from. And I realized over time that my story is different. My story is unique and it's not cookie cutter. And I use that to leverage and get promotions, right? Because no one's coming into an interview saying, if the employer is like, oh, why you? Like most of them are just like, oh, because I'm really good at X, Y, and Z. I came in with a hard throbbing, like, hey, listen, I came from the hood. I put myself through school. I was able to, you know, generate $20,000 per year while I was in school through grants, scholarships, whatever it might be. And I believe I'm the best person for this position because I can bring all that to the table. Mm -hmm. And if I want something, I'm going to get it. So that's going to help me generate sales for your company. Right. What the hell is someone that was a private? I'm sorry. They can't compete with that story. No, we curse here. Okay, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Like, so my mom's a high security prison guard. My dad was a sailor, right? He was in the Navy. So, like, I have a very bad mouth. (laughs) So, like, you're good here. You're good here. We're in the living room, Um, baby. You're good. So, yeah, I mean, that is what I was able to, you know, bring to the table. And I realized that my peers wanted to hear that story more and more. But then there's a fine line between not wanting to be like a charity case and mm-hmm. like telling your story. Mm-hmm. So I had to establish myself first. Hey, I'm a licensed stockbroker. You know, I'm a licensed you know, financial advisor. I have all these credentials. I came from the school, da, da, da. By but way, also, right. here's my story. And I'm sitting right beside you, person of privilege. And I didn't have Two snaps. Two snaps. Get into yeah. it. So it's like, so then they kind of level set and they're like, oh, wow, dude from the hood is beside me running circles around me. Yep. 
But I have to give this man the opportunity. I have to give him the opportunity. I have to listen to what he's trying to tell me because he can probably bring you know a lot to the table. So, so true. again, kind of going back to excuses, I don't believe in them. We don't I, believe in them. They're for I, losers. I right, right. <laughs> and I love your, uh, I had to write it down. You're either making money or you're making excuses. Quote uh, me, so, put that on a t-shirt, yeah. tag me on Instagram. Listen, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I have to make a, I have to make a post. I'll tag you. Let's um, do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, so we talked about this in private, but we got to bring this one to the show. You recently left your corporate job. Finally, congratulations. Very, very Appreciate proud of you. It. But behind the scenes, you had replaced your income through online entrepreneurship for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you held on to your traditional job for so long, even though I told you to quit forever ago? You did. Yeah. Quick shout out to Asia. I mean, it was what about a year ago where you're just like, listen, like I evaluated your business and it seems like you're making enough. You could likely make the jump to do it. And I was just like, yeah, you're right. We'll see you know, when it happens. But it stayed in the back of my head like, oh, man, like if Asia's saying I can do it, then what's the worst that could possibly happen? Like, what is my excuse? Am I using that against so I said, okay, well, I'm going to build a plan. I'm going to make sure everything is right in the background, you know, have that structure. So instead of me moving to this side hustle or whatever it might be, I'm moving from one company to another. I just so happen to, to own, own this company. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So at the end of the day, it came down to me getting out my own way. And Another factor was how much I worked to get into that position, right? So I was a financial executive at a fintech company. I was the only Black financial sales executive in the entire department. And there were kids, there still are kids that looked up to me, right? So there's interns that came in, there's junior level positions. I wanted them to look at me and say, okay, well, I can do it too. I remember when I first came in, you know, three, four years ago, they had like this little document and it was like, you know, just a PDF with all the faces of all the sales execs. And I was looking through and I was like, there is no diversity, none at all. No women, no Asian, Mexican, whatever it's, it might be. Like, it's Tom, Brad, Randall, right. Greg. <laughs> yeah. What did Cat Williams say in one of his stand-ups? He was like, white, 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 flip the page. Bingo. And you were the only chocolate face in the room. So you right. felt kind of obligated to stay in right. that position. And I get that. I really genuinely, I get that. I think that's really admirable. However, you can't let that hold you back. You can't right. put a glass box over yourself for the culture, you have to mm-hmm. go do your thing and then impact the culture in a different way. And you ultimately decided to do that. Exactly. And I started thinking through how much am I going to be able to generate from this company, this job over the long run? Like, what is my salary increase over the next 10 years? Not and enough. I started, exactly. <laughs> and I started thinking about the hours I was putting in Ooh. and how much I could. And at this time, I'm already generating money with a better wallet. And I'm just like, okay, well, if I dedicate the same hour to better wallet, building a course or, you know, building a mastermind, whatever it might be, I can generate four or five times more than what I'm making, you know. Amen. And be able to keep every dollar of it. Right. Exactly. And keep it and use it for whatever you want. So it was that. And I also started thinking about the wealth gap, right? Mm. The wealth gap between whites and blacks, which is a very, very real thing. Oh, we're going to get into it. Okay. All right. So (laughs) I started thinking about that. And I thought to myself, like, I don't own any equity in this company, right? Like I don't own anything. Nope. If I pass away, my kids aren't like my future kids aren't going to get anything. Nope. And they're not going to inherit that goddamn job. Exactly. And they're going to replace me probably the same day. The same day by lunch. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to, oh, it's sad. Send flowers. All right. We need to fill this position. By lunch. Exactly. So it was a lot of different factors, but it really started with, you know, people like you reaching out saying like, hey, you can do it. And I think that's the importance of being connected with people who see a lot in you and they are, you know, kind of putting this, like there's different sound bits in your ear saying, Hey, like you can go off and you could be successful because I've done it. So you could do it. Too. And I think that's really important. It's something I'm, 
really passionate about. I love um, it. So, Guys, what I want you to take away from that is Asia is the same person off the internet. Like <laughs> off this podcast, I'm right. the same person. I'm in people DMs like, quit that job. Fuck that job. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Let me show you how to make some money. I'm the same person. <laughs> On and off. And just because I'm talking to Mark, I'm talking to y'all to get rich crew. That job is great. I'm not telling you to leave your job. I'm telling you, you have to have a side hustle in case your job leaves you. I'm mm-hmm. telling you that no matter how much you love your job, your children cannot inherit that job. I'm right. telling you that you will never close the wealth gap as an employee, period. I'm telling you to never save money, save for your emergency funds, save for the things you need, and then invest, invest, invest. Those are the takeaways. Write that down. Mark will co-sign those things. <laughs> exactly. And also keep in mind that there is a big difference between income and salary. Ooh. Your company determines your salary. You determine your income. Come on, somebody. So I remember one day my boss told me he was like, oh, well, you know, I know how much money you make. I was like, you don't know. Oh, you don't. <laughs> you know how much of a salary I make. You, you know, know what you pay me. Right. right. And he was like, Wow, I never really thought about that. And I realized that he was only making his salary. So yep. he thought that that was, was the status quo. Little did me. he know you I were getting those good business. Shopify dings. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just got an alert. <laughs> I love it. And that's how so, it should be. Exactly. So I, I think that's really important. And something, another item that the audience should take away is try to find ways to increase your income. And then if you want to be an entrepreneur into the future, you can make that jump if you want to. And it feels better going into your job, those Mondays that you don't want to be there, knowing that you can make the jump if you really want to. You just so happen to be there and you're being nice. (laughs) Okay, I'm doing y'all a favor showing up. I'm doing y'all a favor, but I can quit tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's that good FU money. I agree with that wholeheartedly. What do you think most people are getting wrong about their financial situation? I think it starts with the fundamentals at the end of the day. You know, I think investing is great. Obviously, there's other types of investing out there, but you want to keep the fundamentals top of mind. And I know we'll go back and forth on this, but, you know, just budgeting, you know, trying to pay off high interest debt, which is a big issue within our community. And then also just making sure you have that mindset together. Like, do I know where my money is going, which, you know, would come along with budgeting and giving every dollar a job is critical as well. I think, and I'm not just speaking about it because I see it, like I lived it. When I first came out of college, even though I was at Vanguard, the largest mutual fund company in the world, and I'm like talking to these millionaires, my financial situation was not where it needed to be, right? I was spending money on things I shouldn't have spent money on. And I had a high interest credit card debt and things like that. And I learned over time that I had to get my budget together. I had to learn how to pay off that debt. I had to have that discipline. And then over time, you pay off that debt. And then I started to invest. You don't have to go the same path, but like that's the path that I chose to go down. Um, So what do most people get wrong? They want to start investing without having that foundational mindset, have that foundation in order. And it's kind of like building a house in a way. It's like you could build a really big mansion, but if it's on unstable ground, that mansion's coming down. But if you have very strong foundation, then you can build whatever mansion you want on top top of it. it. It's Mm. going to be strong and last forever. And that's the way I, I look at it. All right, y'all, you heard it here first. You heard it from Mark. He's got all the letters behind his name. So if I was you, I'd listen to him because I would have told y'all the exact opposite. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Friend, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I just hate No, I'd like to hear it. In my mind, and again, I don't have any of the letters behind my name, y'all. This is not financial advice. Don't listen to me. But just in my mind, and wait, let me just preface that again by saying, I have no debt. I have never been in debt in my life. So I'm not speaking from a space of knowing. I'm only just hypothesizing. But in my mind, invest first because that money can be making you some money. And then you can take that money to pay off the debt faster. Yeah. So the way I went about doing it, and this is more for me and like what worked out for me is that I wanted to build that foundation. And let me be clear on investing. I believe that everyone should be investing in their retirement. Retirement investing, making sure you're getting that match. 
I mean, it's essentially free money as part of your compensation. Like I was getting that while I was at Vanguard and they had a really good benefit program to allow me to do that. I was paying off high interest credit card debt afterwards. Then I said, okay, well, I will start investing. And I think that's really key gotcha. um, because at the end of the day, you're totally right. Like you want to be investing. You want to continue to grow your money, especially if you have a lot of student loans, for example, I'm thinking of like, the doctors out there, my buddy, Ooh, hundreds uh, just, of thousands of dollars in debt. Right. It's crazy. Right. They, you know, my buddy has $200,000 of debt. You know, he's a doctor and he's like, what should I do? I'm like, yeah, this is like time is not on, on your, your side. side. Right. right. You want to make sure you have a plan for both. Right. Some people just jump into investing. They don't have a plan. They have high interest credit card debt. You want to, make sure you have a plan and, you know, have that balance at the end of the day in order to build your financial future. Uh, So it's just something to to keep in mind. But for me, you know, my journey will look different from others, but in general, I just say, Hey, like, make sure you have that foundation. You know, you don't have to pay off all your debt. You know, I hear people all the time saying, Oh, you have to be debt Debt free free. before you start investing. That sounds crazy. Yeah. But I would say you would want to prioritize high interest credit card debt before you, you know, completely jump into investing, put all your money in investing and not paying off this debt. So that's just something to keep in mind. And then always, always, always get your retirement match because part of your overall compensation. All right. Let's get our retirement matched. Love it. I thought about you yesterday when I read this article. So I'm going to share a jarring stat with you. So according to a CNBC article, only 34% of Black American households owned equity investments as compared to 61% of white families. So according to the Federal Reserve Board survey in 2019, the average value of stocks Black Americans owned was only $14,000, nearly a quarter of what their white peers held. Why do you think Black people on the whole are not seeing the value of investing over saving? And what Mm. can we do to change that? Yeah. And I mean, it's a loaded... Oh, it's a a big one. Don't get me I know. We're not going to solve all this in one episode. But those numbers are so jarring. What is the obsession with save, 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 save? I have not met a millionaire yet that got rich from saving. I don't know right. if maybe You're the right. people in the audience have, but that saving is not the answer to everything. Why are our people so like averse to investing over saving? Yeah, I think we and everyone gravitates towards what they know, right? Growing up, my family said, hey, put money in the bank, put money in the bank. You know, they didn't really know about inflation, the impact of inflation on your dollars, so people gravitate towards what they know at the end of the day, and no one's sitting there telling them until maybe the last, let's say, you know, five, 10 years, hey, like investor money, here's how to go about doing it. The stock market isn't as risky as putting your money into the bank account and, and losing it guaranteed. Over guaranteed to lose it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it comes down to that education. It comes down to people like you and I going and saying, hey, like the stock there's market, a better way. Right. Like the stock market is not going to hurt you over the long run. You know, it it appreciates about 10 percent every single year has been doing that since the history of time. Right. So you can we don't like using the word guarantee in the financial world because nothing's guaranteed. But there's a high probability your money is going to grow. You just have to know how to go about doing that and knowing how to you know, put your money into certain investments and allocate it properly. So you don't see that you know, volatility that you might see if you invest into an individual stock, for example. So it's really, it comes down to the education and it comes down to like context in a way, but just the portion of equity that white folks have and what we have, I mean, that comes from history, long, long history. Agreed. Yes. They um, had a 400 year head start. They really did. I get, of course and they did. Now, It's not even a conversation, but we also, for us, for us millennials, and this is why I say that granted, of course they had a 400 year head start. That's not a conversation. Water is wet. We know that. Mm -hmm. However, every one of us has a supercomputer in our hand all day long. Every one of us is glued to a phone as millennials. 
Siri can answer the questions for you. Alexa can answer a lot of questions for you. So I guess I just want to promote people independently learning. Like y'all Googled when the Jordans came out. You Googled that. Let's Google something else. Let's Google what we can do with our money to make our money work for us instead of just going with the old advice that worked for our parents. Those ways are gone and dead. Like our parents all told us to, you know, get jobs with pensions. Like, are we still listening to that advice? No, we're moving on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it comes down to the people like you and I challenging the status quo in a way. The same way where you you know, jumped in my DM and said, hey, like, are you quitting that job, right? Like, I'm that person who's, when I talk to my friends, I'm like, are you investing? Do you have your 401k set up? Yeah. Are you investing into that HSA? Did you know that it's four times tax advantage? Like, <laughs> So like, we just got to push people more. <laughs> we gotta, we, well, we have to push them and get them to understand that other people are doing it and you should as well. The same way that, you know, the culture says, go out and buy that product you know, make it taboo that you're not investing. Yes. So we have to make it cool. Right. Exactly. So it's, you know, kind of forcing them in a way or maybe even like pulling them instead of like us pushing them, Mm. if that makes sense. So I think that's really critical is just being, you know, someone like even now, like I post a lot of my trades on my page where I was saying, you know, I put all this money into VTI, you know, Vanguard's total stock market index. And people are like, how can I do that too? That's cool, right? Instead of like, oh, I bought these new shoes. I'm like, right, this is how right. I'm investing, right? You know, I put 10 stacks into you know, a VTI instead of buying a Rolly. Like, Love it's, it. It's, Come it's, on, somebody. Of conversations. So at the end of the day, it comes along. You know, education is really key. We do have the supercomputers in our hands and they can do the education. But I think it a lot of times it starts with people saying, Hey, like I'm doing it. That's why I appreciate, you know, certain people out there. Like I want to say like Jay-Z who talks a lot about investing, you know, RIP the Nipsey who talked a lot about ownership and equity. I think that, you know, having those type of leaders, but in terms of us, you know, and, and us doing that, we have I, to I be the leaders on a small yeah. scale. Yeah. Small I agree. Scale, right? Agreed. Would you say that that leadership and that influence is why you launched the Better Wallet brand? Absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to help people who are not rich yet. I want to help people not rich yet to become rich. Over Faster. Time. And yes. I want them to look at, you know, someone who's doing it, right? I, you know, I went and pay off debt. You know, now I'm investing, you know, six figures, multi-six figures, like, I want other people to see that I came from absolutely nothing and I was able to do it as well. So what keeps you from doing it, right? Like I don't have, I'm not going to have an inheritance. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. If I fail, it's on me, right? Like, so why are you not going and doing the same thing? You know, take a chance on yourself and take a chance on your future kids and grandchildren. And so they can have that generational wealth and they can pass it down from generation to generation. But it starts with you. Love it. That's exactly why I started Get Rich or Get Drunk Trying. Same thing. If I can do it with no resources as a college dropout, if I can do it as a girl, as a black girl, like I was born with two strikes against me and I sit on top of a mountain that I built for my goddamn self. So if I can do it, you guys can do it. If Mark can do it, you guys can do it. Like we are no different from you. We're both from the middle of nowhere, came with nothing and are on our way to really conquering this world. What type of resources can the people expect from Better Wallet? What should they tap in to get from you? I know you got a $1 budget template that's like helping people change their lives. What type of resources can they find? Yeah, so a lot of different resources either on thebarrelwallet.com or the Barrel Wallet on Instagram and Twitter. But in terms of resources, if you're looking to get your finances in order, I just dropped a new checklist. So a lot of people say, hey, like, how can I get my finances in order? Where do I start? Start with the checklist. And the benefit with that is that as you go through the checklist, there is a rubric at the end that will essentially tell you how you scored. And I'm going to go ahead and send you emails week after week, helping you to improve your score. So check that out. Completely free, by the way. So you can download it using- I that love that. We love file. a rubric. Get right, into it. Right, <laughs> exactly. So there's also the dollar 
budget template, which you know, I have out there because I think a budget is you know one of the most important things you can do to set your financial foundation. I'm coming out with a course as well. I'll drop you that know I love a room. course, Mark. Don't get right. me excited. I love. <laughs> That is my love language. Give me a login. Like, yes, I'm about to take the course because I need it. Honestly, like I can't, I know I'm not supposed to say it, but just my answer has always been to make more money, but I want to be better about that in 2022. So I will be in the course, y'all. I will see y'all there. Like sign me up. I think the last two things we need from you, even though this entire episode has been a get rich tip. What is one get rich tip this week that the people can implement so that they can get their finances right? I would say do something that was really challenging for me when I first started budgeting. Look at your bank statements for January, print them out, go through them and figure out what parts of what you spent last month is going towards your specific goals. So, you know, most people, they set goals in the beginning of the year, you know, really look at your spending and figure out if your money is going in the right direction and then try to course correct as we're in, you know, February, March, whenever the podcast drops and try to adjust and invest towards your specific goals. So if you want to learn how to invest, but you haven't put any money towards investing, you probably need to course correct, right? If you're trying to go to the gym and work out a little bit more, and you haven't paid any. <laughs> I'm raising my hand, y'all. This is me raising my hand. Go ahead and tell me about myself, Mark. <laughs> you haven't put any money towards a gym or, you know, whatever it might be. Of course, It's correct, not just going right? to materialize. Right, yeah. exactly. So it's not going to come out of nowhere. So that would be my tip. That's Print a good out your one. bank statements, figure That's out. That's a real good one. I just, I just had a vision of me printing my bank statement and going through with a highlighter with like one solitary tear rolling down that left cheek. Cause I know full well <laughs> that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. You know what? Wow. Triggered, triggered. Yep, and you know yep. what? One thing about me, I keep it 100 my audience. I tell them straight up, y'all, I didn't do it. I know I said <laughs> I was going to do it, but I didn't do it. So I am telling you guys, I am going to do it. Somebody DM me, ask me how it went after I cry about how much money I blew on some shenanigans. Follow up with me. I think that is astonishingly good advice. And I am actually going to do that myself. My last question for you is, what is the get rich read of the week? Drop a book on the people that has impacted your life that we all need to add to our reading list. Yeah, and the book's not even uh, financial in a way. I think it was good for me because I was coming out of college and Growing up, I was always told, you know, there are things that you're not good at, right? From family to people that I knew, you always constantly hear the feedback of like, oh, here's what you need to improve. And the book that I love is called Strength Finders. I think they have another edition now, Strength Finders 2.0, that actually tells you, hey, here's all your strengths. Like, you know what your weaknesses are, but here are your five strengths. This is what you're really good at. And when I first read that book and I took the quiz at the end, It told me, hey, like you want to understand context, like you love history because you want to understand the world around you, which came from my upbringing. They say, hey, like you're a great relator, right? And they're kind of going through each one. I think the other one was Achiever. So kind of think of it as like the love languages, but when it comes to your strengths in a way where you can walk away and say, okay, well, I know a little bit more about myself and my strengths. And I use those strengths to... I leverage them throughout my career. So I say, okay, well, I'm a good relator. So when I'm going, I'm interviewing with someone, I'm going to make sure I relate with them. Let, let it be they go, they went to the same college or you know, they came from nothing like me or they're black male, whatever it might be. I'm going to relate with them first before anything else. And then they're going to want to hire me because they think that we are similar versus you know they're hiring me for a job. So Strength Finders 2.0, it's on Amazon, I think maybe you know under $20. Take the quiz at the end, and I think it will change your life. I love this concept. How have I never heard of this? It's a hidden book, I would say. Every time that I recommend it, people take it and they're like, wow, this is earth shattering. I mean, um, adds to cart. This is me adding it to cart because, yeah. I mean, hello. I mean, my problem you. is I think I'm good at everything. <laughs> so this would be a great book for me it. to... 
knock that list down a little bit and mm-hmm. actually find out what I'm good at. That sounds fantastic. I can think of a hundred ways that you could use that. And the first thing that comes to my mind is those are the things that you guys need to use to make money. Find out mm-hmm. what you're good at because the book just explained to you what you're good at and figure out how you can monetize that. Take the skills that you already possess. Like people don't think that they're skilled or talented at something, but the fact that you have a job is proof that you are. There's a conglomerate paying you to do something every day. Take that and the strengths that you learn from the book, melt those two together and figure out how you can make some money. Exactly. No, that's spot on. I would totally say that those skills that I learned from that book, I now use in entrepreneurship. And most people would say, hey, like I like Mark because of his ability to relate with me. I feel like we're you know the same person or we came from the, this, we were cut from the same cloth, whatever it might be. And yeah, we could be completely different, but I'm going to morph how I talk to them based off of my strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all stem from that book. So check it out and so let, me know, let me know how it goes. I absolutely am. I think that sounds brilliant. I knew this was going to be a good episode. I knew you were going to bring it for the people. Like, I'm so thrilled to have had you. It was absolutely a pleasure. Guys, all of Mark's details will be in the show notes. You can find Better Wallet. You can find the dollar budget template. I am going to absolutely update this when the course drops so that you guys can tap in. Mark, it was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for bringing me on. Are you going to have me on the Better Wallet podcast too? Oh, you already know. You already know. I'm looking forward to it. We just had the first round of episodes, but here in a couple months, once I'm done with the course, I'm going to start recording more and I'll have you on. Love it. Looking forward to it. You know, y'all, I like to get a commitment. I like to get it on. (laughs) I like to have a recorded conversation. You know, I like to hold people accountable. So I'm like, gonna... yeah, back on the episode. You okay, I'll like, get me big, on, yep. And the, the streets yet, will so... receipt. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. So what's going on? Let's yeah, yeah. Instead of me sliding <laughs> to your DMs, I'm going to just get it confirmed on air. Like, hello, love it so much. It was a pleasure to have you. All right, Get Rich Crew, you know what to do. Like the show, subscribe to the show, tap in with Mark, tap in with me, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you've learned something amazing, let's continue the conversation. Follow me on Instagram at get rich or get drunk trying and tell me what you took from today's show. Then tap in at get rich or get drunk trying.com to get all the details and links from today's episode. I cannot wait to get rich with you next time. Until then, peace.